Hey there, this is Story Story Late Night, the positively shameless black sheep of our Story Story Night family, where you hear bleep-worthy stories on an unblushing theme recorded live. This episode highlights our curated stories. We need your support. Text the code STORYPOD to 44321. This summer, we are following the yellow brick road with tales told live without notes or inhibitions in the walled yard of the old Idaho penitentiary. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. We're discovering big, hairy stories with our theme, Lions, Tigers, and Bears. Oh my. From our featured storytellers, Sophie Hughes, Mario Martinez, and Ben Clegg. Recorded during Pride Month. There's no place like late night. There's no place like late night. Make a lot of noise for Sophie Hughes. Hello, I'm, uh, I'm so glad to be here at Story Story Late Night. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about dating. Uh, and dating is, uh, dating's hard, we all know that. Uh, for a trans person, dating is also really hard. I'm not going to say it's harder as a trans person than it is for everybody else. Um, it is, but I'm not going to say that. Because I'm classy. <laughs> but I, I have a hard time dating. And, and, and uh, you know, one thing that my parents taught me is that it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there. And it also takes a lot of courage to take yourself back. Um, I find when I'm in a relationship, I'm convinced that this is the last person who will ever love me. So I have to, I have to put up with so much shit. And I will. And I want to talk about a specific guy uh, who in this, we're going to call him Cody, because that's his name. Uh, <laughs> so it seemed to fit. Um, <laughs> Cody and I met, like a lot of people these days, we met online on a dating app. We went to a brewery. We shared a Bavarian pretzel. That was it. It was perfectly fine. It was a perfectly fine date. The next day, we've been texting. We're excited to see each other again. But I have no plans to see him until he shows up at my work unannounced. And he's brought his sisters, his adult sisters, and his mother. And he says, this is my girlfriend, Sophie. We shared one pretzel. That seems presumptuous. But it also became really apparent, as I'm meeting his parent, that he did not tell them they were about to meet a trans person. So I got to watch that happen live on their face. Just, hi, nice to meet you. Just that little, that, that moment. And I, I was really upset, because it really put me on the spot. And then I have to, I, and I'm, I work, and they just hung out. I have to be there around them forever. I'm forced to, because I need to pay my rent. It was rough. And I thought I wouldn't, I thought I wouldn't see him again. We had plans maybe to go see a movie. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to call him again. That was, a, that was a red flag. But then I started thinking, well, wait a minute, Sophie. 
He's so proud of you that he brought his family to meet you. And the fact that you're trans is such an irrelevant issue, he didn't even feel the need to tell them. He's not weird, he's a hero. He's the best man there ever was. So you better not let him get away. So, so we end up going out again. Now, um, we made a plan, and the way this date's gonna break down is we're gonna meet up downtown. I'm not giving him my address. This is the guy who just showed up to my work. But we're gonna meet downtown, and we're gonna go for a walk, and we're gonna go to a restaurant, and then question mark. I like to leave it open-ended. <laughs> you know, I could go home, or I could be like, hey. So he shows up, and uh, he'd been texting me that day saying questions like, you know, what's your favorite flower? And I was like, I don't like flowers. I like succulents. Well, when he shows up, he's brought what can only be described as a bouquet of succulents, which is four potted plants. <laughs> that he's carrying with both arms, hand and arm, just here you go. And he hands me these, I mean, they're, each one is like a soccer ball size. And he just hands them to me for our walking date and we're off. So I've got them and there we go. <laughs> we go, we're walking downtown, everyone's staring at me. They already stare at me a lot, <laughs> but now I've got a garden. <laughs> so we go to a restaurant. We're a little Mexican restaurant in downtown. It's very busy on a Friday night. I walk in, the hostess is like, why? <laughs> they put us at the tiniest table. There's, rooms, there's room for like each plant and my hands. <laughs> you can't put the chips on the table. So I've got them like tucked under the table. Bus boys are tripping on them. And she, they're just like, I don't know what to do with them. I've got them the whole time. And he's just sitting there, happy as can be, does not recognize a problem. He's just happy. He's like a Labrador. He's just happy to be here. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. <laughs> so we have dinner. It's weird. We leave. And as I'm got all my plants and we're going to the door there's a new hostess different from the one who sat us and she sees me with these plants and she says you can't take those <laughs> because the restaurant is full of plants just like it so she thinks I'm stealing their plants and he's like oh no I bought those I have receipts and so he pulls out his wallet and he's got receipts for everything, but he pulls out the receipts and, and then the hostess, this 16 year old girl's looking at him like she fucking knows. It's a Utah lower basin purple. <laughs> so we're going through this whole thing and I'm just, I'm, I'm humiliated, I'm waiting there until somebody sitting by, a customer, just looks up and goes, yeah, she came in with those. <laughs> she got the pronouns right, that was good. <laughs> so we're leaving. And um, in my mind, the date is over. I feel really embarrassed. <laughs> 
I feel like this whole thing's been super awkward. I'm uncomfortable. I just want to go home with all my succulents and water them once a month for the rest of my life. That's what I want. So we're walking, just walking downtown, and I'm carrying all the succulents, and he's following me, and he goes, hey, Sophie, would it be okay if I held your hand? How the fuck's he gonna do that? So I'm trying to have a good nature about it. So what I go, I, I look at him, and I look at the, my arms, and I go, I guess you could hold my elbow, and he, takes me seriously. So he does. He just holds on to my elbow. And I lead him through downtown. Like I'm a scout helping an old lady cross the street. <laughs> like he's my prison bitch. He's just... That's right. Take my fucking elbow. We get to my apartment and I go, oh gosh, I live here. I'm gonna go in. And he's got this little hopeful like, oh? And I'm like, good night. And then he's sad. He could see it, he's, he's disappointed. Cause I think he thought it was going really well. And then I felt bad. And then I got back to that thing where I was like, maybe this is the only person who will ever give you succulents. You don't know. So I think I'm, I'm gonna kiss him on the cheek. Let's keep hope alive, but also I really wanna get it away from you. And I, and I make it obvious. Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't vague. I went around, you know what I mean? <laughs> there was no subtlety to it. So I'm going to his cheek very clearly, and he tries to move in to catch it. As if that's ever worked for anyone. Who has ever been like, I don't want to put my lips on your lips because I don't like you very much. But then they accidentally make contact and you're like, I love you. <laughs> has anyone ever stolen a kiss to success? I don't think so. <laughs> kiss to success, TM, Sophie Hughes, don't steal that. That's my romantic comedy name. <laughs> it's going to be great. So he tries to move in and I try to avoid. And what ends up happening is we both wear glasses and we smash our glasses together. And I went, we cleaned glasses. Cheers. And then I ran. <laughs> and I thought, I'm never going to see this guy again. The more I went on with that, the more I was like, I don't think I have. There was, beyond just it being uncomfortable, there wasn't a lot of chemistry. He wasn't the worst, but he wasn't the best. He didn't do anything wrong, but he really didn't do anything right. And then COVID happened and everyone was locked in. And I used to work at a comedy club and that closed. And I wasn't seeing anybody. I was alone all the time. And then he started texting, you know, just fishing. <laughs> What's up? Nothing. <laughs> and that goes on for a while. And eventually we start to date again. Now, in COVID times, there's no one else to be embarrassed around. So it worked out. I just watched him play Elden Ring all day and we ordered Grubhub. It was great. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> we got to this point where 
been dating a little while now, and um, we're going to move to the next level, which is sex, late night. Get ready for that. <laughs> so he's been, he's been very unsubtly hinting that he would like a blowjob. And by unsubtly hinting, I mean I would be like, what do you want to do for dinner? And he'd be like, I'd like a blowjob. <laughs> I was going to get pizza, but... <laughs> So I decide I'm gonna do it, damn it. He's been nice enough. <laughs> good enough. Not good enough for me to shave for, but good enough for me to go down on. I'm just saying. You gotta really bring the A game for that. I am lazy. So, so he's playing Elden Ring. I put my hair up, I sneak around, and I'm like, I got a little lip balm on, we're gonna have a whole, oral sex is gonna happen. <laughs> and, then, and then it does. <laughs> you know, you've seen movies. <laughs> or had oral sex. I don't know. So I, I, I'm doing it, and he's like sprawled out starfish on the couch, making no noise or movement at all. Just nothing. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I know how to toot a horn. So so, I, look, I've had zero complaints. I have very rounded teeth. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> File them down, Doc. I gotta, I'm lonely. Uh, don't improvise, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, but I'm, 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 do, I'm pulling out all the tricks. Hot air, cold air. I'm getting under the weird little spot. I'm doing all of it. And it's just nothing. No movement. And I keep like looking up. And then I go back to work. And then I look back. And then I go back to work. And eventually I just stop and I go, are you okay? And he goes, I'm fine. So I try to go back to it after that but I'm pissed. And oh, you're fine. He's fine. Okay, he's fine. Yeah, sure, he's fine. You're fine. So I go back and I'm, and I'm working, but now I'm like angry blowjob, which is, probably feels great. But it's still nothing from him. So I look up and I just shout, you wanna pitch in here, pal? And the dynamic changed. I yelled at him, and his erection is gone. You know, because I turned into my dad. I'm pretty sure that's what my dad used to say to me. You wanna pitch in here, pal? Where'd that come from? So, so I try, but it's over at this point. And I get up and I sit on the couch and I'm all frustrated being quiet. And he's all being quiet. He knows he did wrong, but he doesn't know what, like a Labrador. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and eventually he goes, are you okay? And I went, I'm fine. And he was like, that's what people say when they're not okay. And I was like, I know. I gotcha. <laughs> 
That's what you did. <laughs> and then we have a reasonable adult conversation where I'm like, look, you got to pitch in. You got to be part of it. This is the first time we've ever done anything sexual and you're just like, like I'm not your sex slave or something. Touch my hair. Tell me I'm great. Moan. I don't know. <laughs> be alive. And he goes, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And we're sitting there quietly. And after a few minutes, he goes, listen, I'm really sorry that you couldn't make me come. I love hearing a bunch of people moan at that. Because <laughs> it's very validating. Because I was just like, what did you just say? <laughs> what do you think happened here? I'm sorry you couldn't make me come because I know how hungry you were. What do you, what do you think's going on? Is that my reward? No, oh boy. <laughs> Alive, it really upset me. And we got in a big fight. And that's when I went, you know what? I think I have the courage to leave this relationship because I think I would rather, <laughs> thank you. I think I would rather never make anyone come again than to ever try on you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm so confused. Make a lot of noise for Matteo Martinez. I uh, sneaked back into my childhood bedroom after having destroyed leftovers in my parents' fridge. We were living with them at the time, me and my husband, and uh, saving up for a house. And as I looked down on the bed where he was sleeping, you know, I, I, I thought like, wow, uh, there was a time when I couldn't be more excited about having a boy in my bed. And I used to pray for it and wish for it and hope for it. And there he was. And then I thought I should have been more specific about the timing. <laughs> That's when I heard the sound that I was very used to hearing all day. I heard the sound that the latch on my trunk makes when it's triggered. And I thought, hmm. Then I heard the noise, the, the wheezing of the hydraulic arms as the little glass door opened up into place. And I thought, wait. I snuck over to the window and I looked down into the driveway and there was somebody dressed in all black going through the contents of my trunk of my car with a flashlight on his cell phone. And I couldn't make out if this person was a he or she. Uh, it looked like a cat burglar, but whether it was a cat man or a cat woman, who was to say? At some point, I must have made a little bit of a noise or something because all of a sudden he looked up and made eye contact with me and I with him, and he took off running. I don't understand what happened inside of me, but I was instantly in a blind rage. And I ran out of my room, down the stairs, threw open the front door of my childhood home, and ran out after this guy. I was halfway down my street when I realized a couple of things. One, 
thank heavens for trunk underwear. Very supportive. Uh, also, if you're going to be caught by your neighbors in nothing but your underwear, the trunks are a very flattering look, gentlemen. I stepped on a piece of glass and I had to slow, but just long enough to take it out. And I thought, wow, um, I guess it's true what they say, that when you're hopped up on adrenaline, you can do something like that and not feel it. On we go. The next thing I thought was, okay, wait, 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 wait. What are we doing? What are you doing? Are you really doing this? And this voice inside me who had grabbed the wheel of my psyche was like, yes. Um, that is not a sound I'm used to hearing from me. And it scared me. It sounded hard and angry and determined. Um, I kept running down the street and I saw that the thief had gone up the next block, which was a cul-de-sac. Thank you, the suburbs. Um, my prey was trapped. I start kind of slowing down and I look up the street and I don't see him. And I yelled out, this is a dead end. <laughs> like it was a metaphor. I was like really seizing this moment. I was so angry. We had crapped out on our business. We had gone to Europe where my husband is from. He's from Germany, born and raised, and it didn't work out there for us. We had come back to start all over again. We had nothing living with my mom and dad. And I don't know, I just, in that moment, just couldn't bear that somebody was taking what little we had out of this car. And I wanted a fight. I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 1975. And when I started going to school in the 80s, uh, all the way through the 90s, that was some really tricky time in history to be gay, especially a gay kid, because nobody told me what the situation was. I got beat up at school so boys could prove their masculinity to other boys. I got beat up at home so my dad could make me a man. Um... There was a lot of violence in my life, which is super weird because uh, I, I, I'm not really a violent person, but after being exposed to so much of it, sometimes it feels like the only thing to get the rage out is to either hit or be hit. I walked up the street and from behind a big SUV, the assailant came out with his hands in the air. And as soon as we saw each other, all of the air went out of the situation. I was still spiking from the adrenaline and I was still nervous and upset and rageful and angry. But as I took in who this guy was, things just started to fall apart for me in that moment. He was maybe 17 or 18, kind of heavy set, very soft skin, baby face. He was Latino. He had on a backpack 
which I was really hoping was a tiger, um, but it wasn't. It was, a, it was in the shape of a plush kitty cat's head. And I thought to myself, oh heavens no, he's gay. I wanted to be angry, but a parental instinct kicked in. I could tell that like where he was in his journey was calling me out in a way to take care of him. I was identifying with him. The truth is for him, maybe he had never placed any value on his life and the people in his community that were responsible for making sure that there was value there also did not place value on his life. And so he didn't place any value on the things that he was stealing away from the people whose cars he had broken into that night. I said, hand me the bag. And he gave it to me. And he said, I didn't steal anything from you. I didn't want to know any more about him. I said, you got to get out of here and you got to never come back. And he looked at me. Now, he didn't look at me. He looked at my trunk underwear. Because even in that moment, men. And he took off running. So I started walking back. And as I came up the street, I saw my Japanese couture raincoat sprawled out. And um, I thought, okay, well, it's there. Thank heavens he didn't get that. I love that coat. I think he thought that if he ditched it, the psychopath who was chasing him would stop. But he did not know who he was messing with. <laughs> and neither did I. I got back home and all the lights were on and my parents were downstairs and my husband had come down and they were just looking at me like, what on earth? And all of a sudden I felt this horrible pain in my foot and my mom just screamed. My Latina mom was like, what happened? What are you doing? I was like, oh, mom, I suddenly tried to break in the car, call the cops. About 30 minutes later, the sheriff showed up and he asked me to describe the assailant. And I said, well, he had gorgeous skin. I mean, flawless, which is crazy because a criminal lifestyle, you would think that would cause a lot of stress hormones and then blemishes for days, but he's got nothing. That's gonna be very pickable out in a lineup of perps. But he didn't write it down. He said, I'd like to know his height and weight and, and race. And I said, oh, five, seven and a half, 172 pounds, four ounces. I've been breaking guys down for decades at this point. I mean, um, <laughs> and then I mentioned the thing about the skin again and he closed his pad and he didn't write it down. And he said, thank you. My husband took me upstairs and he was helping me with my foot and he said, this was a very stupid thing that you did, Matthew. Ridiculous. This is not wunderbar, this is horrid. I promised him I would never do that again. And I also told him that 
I knew I had to take care of whatever that was inside me because he might get us into some real trouble at a certain point. And I definitely had to get some more trunk underwear. Ben Clegg. Hi, everyone. I feel like we're in group therapy, so I'm going, hello, my name is Ben. Thank you, good job. And I am a bear. Hello again, Beth. It's been a while since that stream. No, okay, so in this last bit of interactive, raise of hands, who knows what a bear is as it relates to gay men? We got a few people, okay. You may have heard of bears, otters, twinks, cubs. We have a lot of gay nomenclature. So basically what a bear is, a bear is, well, generally, a, a larger fellow, hairy, you can kind of point out there, a body that says, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. <laughs> and how we get assigned these groups is when we come out, we're actually taken across the river into this big castle and they put a sorting, <laughs> the gay elders put a sorting hat on her head and bear, twink. That's how you know if you can eat the next day or not. I got to eat the next day. No. So, dun, 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 I'm fat. Um, so, no. so I came out in my mid-20s and came out on the cusp of, do I start shaving my body or not? I uh, did for a little bit, and then I just, uh, the hair grew. Um, around that same time, I met my husband um, at BYU-Idaho. We keep, we tell people we met in a class. No, that's not how we met. <laughs> nope. Uh, anyways, but my husband, who is also a bear, and it, it just really clicked. It was, we're like, okay, we can support ourselves in our bareness. Um, five years into uh, our relationship, uh, we had our commitment ceremony. Uh, marriage was not legal in Idaho until two months later. <laughs> but we got it. Oh, no, no, wrong, wrong date. So anyways, no, so five years in, we're like, okay, commitment ceremony, this is going well. And we're like, you know, what could really help our relationship now? Let's open it up. <laughs> I heard some collective like, ah. Now, for, uh, for us, what we were saying with opening our relationship is that, we're like, okay, there are sexual experiences that we would like to experience outside of just us. And that is all we're gonna say with our open relationship. We're not gonna put rules here, we're not gonna do here. We're just gonna say, okay, open communication and open up our relationship. We're a couple of bears and we're open. It's a novel idea. So the gay elders come back to us and they tell us, because you're a bears and you're in an open relationship, you must go to bear camp. Everybody's like, what is bear camp? You know band camp from that one movie, that one time at band camp? Just think it's the same thing. No flutes. <laughs> Anyways, so they're like, you must go to bear camp. And so we were talking with some friends online and saying, okay, bear camp, what, what is this? And they're like, well, we, there's this one that's held in eastern Idaho. It's kind of a smallish affair, probably about 50 to 60 guys usually. And we're like, oh, this, this sounds fun. And it was... Uh, uh, 
<laughs> open. No, so it, uh, it, it was promoted as a, a very a sex positive environment. So they're like, you don't, it's, it's, it's there if you want to participate, you don't have to. But there's a lot of fun stuff. We were given an agenda, and they're like, these are your meals, very important to bears. They're like, these are when we'll feed you. And we're like, fantastic. Uh, we were young, we were poor, but we paid out the $100 a piece and went to bear camp because there were meals. We're like, this is planning, this is food budgeting. We'll just, we're good with this. So we go to Eastern Idaho, we, we drive, we take, uh, we drive down this little road and we're like, oh, okay, where is this? And it opens onto this expanse and bear camp is being held in a llama field. This, the person hosting it actually raises llamas and like lets people, not lets them, he charges them to take them on little hikes through the mountains and whatnot. But during bear camp, he has moved the llamas into another field and he's opened up this, which is actually found out later, is really for the llamas' safety. <laughs> After it's a bear camp, very much for the llamas' safety. It moves them into another field and what we have in front of us is just, we've got a little creek or a crick uh, running and with a little pool in the back there's a fence in front of it and in front of that he said okay you can set up your tents all the way over here set them all along fantastic over here if you brought a motor home fantastic you can set up here we were asked before we came on this uh, we filled out the little forms and whatnot and they asked us if we needed electricity to our tent for our CPAP machines <laughs> Really gives you the, the demographics of who's going. Anyways, there's a lot of electrical cords. You had to be very careful. Anyways, so we see this expanse. We're, we're, we are early gays. It's not, doesn't happen very often, but we show up to things early. And so we're like, there's a lot of space here. We don't need a cord. We didn't bring our CPAP machines. So we're going to set up right in the middle of this. Bold choice. We ended up being by a really, a bunch of lovely men, all came from Colorado, set up on one side. And then on the other side of us was a group we would come to know as the Dementors. <laughs> they just hovered around, picking people off, sucking their souls. Take that for whatever it's worth. Anyways, so we, we camp in the middle. We're like, this is fantastic. We, we're getting the lay of the land. They're introducing us, saying, okay, this is over here. And then they show us what's the camp. And we're like, okay, this cool little swimming pond, fantastic. On either end of the camp are these little white tents. We're like, what are these white tents? Are they showers? Are they? No, the white tents are the sling tents. If you don't know what a sling is, it's like a swing. You sit in it, lay back, and someone come in, comes in and pushes you with their hips. Everyone's like, oh, yes. On either end, these little white tents were like sling tents. Bears, this is what happens. Um, and then in the middle was this really big white tent. And we're like, what is in this big white tent? These are so, what? That was the snack tent. <laughs> Bears. So we get the lay of the land, we check in, we get our little badges, it allows us to eat. That's gonna come up a lot. 
just it's very important. So it allows us to eat. We we say hi to people. We check our agendas. We're like, okay, next up is it's going to be game night. Fantastic. And it, I think it was actually bingo. And so we go back and we change our shirts, which all bears are required at some time to have a bear insignia on their shirt, on their body somewhere. It's just a law. The gay elders. Anyways, so we get our tent, we change, and we come out, and it is dusk. And the one rule of bear camp that we were told about, all the, the frisky business, is that you can't do it until it's dark. So the neighboring farms don't see. <laughs> Anyways, we come out, and it's a game of Twister. <laughs> Naked Twister. In front of our tent. In fact, I think it, it, was, it, it wasn't just, it was like a combination of, of Twister and, and Jenga and, and, and Tetris and Bop It. Um, so, so we're trying to get our way out to play bingo, and it's left hand green, right hand taint. <laughs> make our way over the bodies. Bears. Anyways. So we go, we play bingo, and it was drag bingo, which was a really lovely time. Very, very different from the Jenga twister bop it that was happening in front of our tent. But really, that was kind of the, that was bear camp. Three days of bear camp. Three days of this. Three days of open booze, of open relationships. Um, but of just uh, this experience that we hadn't experienced before, saying, oh, this is, this is new, this is exciting, really nice people, not the Dementors. <laughs> but a really lovely time, and walked away from it going, okay, is this what we are? This is bears? This is what we do? Okay. But it was, it really stopped thinking, and it was a really, like, relationship-defining Experiences say come out and say, we came out of that great. We came out of it with a, a stronger knowledge of who we were and how we worked with other people within this open relationship that we had decided to have. Saying, okay, our communication, we could keep that even with the Jenga and the, the Bapa and the booze. <sighs> a lot of booze. Which, by the way, when you're camping, first day, yes for Naked Twister. Second day, you're just doing bop it. Third day, nothing should happen down there. You have not showered. <laughs> That's another thing we learned at bear camp. But anyways, so we, we drive away and we drive back up the hill after bear camp. We've packed up all our stuff and just take a look back and go, that was really cool. I've got a lot of really great memories, made a lot of, met a lot of people from all over. Uh, we had people from Colorado, we had people from Eastern US, uh, a lot of people from Utah and Idaho, a lot of bears. But, and we went back the next year. We found another one called the Cub Camp Out. We went to that. There's ones all over the US. There's Lazy Bear with thousands and thousands of bears. You can go down to uh, uh, Beef Tip down in Mexico. I know. You guys, we are not that creative with our naming. Lazy Bear, Beef Tip, Bear Camp. We're lazy. We didn't go to the gym. We don't have that energy. So, 
Anyways, so when you see a guy next time and he's got a, a bear insignia, he's a little hairy, a little, just wink, because you know what he's been up to. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise. Our theme song was composed by Ned Evett. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Please rate and review this podcast to help other story lovers find us. Thanks to guest host Haley Lenhart Weiss and musical guest Louis C. Support this podcast by texting STORYPOD to 44321. Find out how to participate in our live show at www.storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story.